Matthew. Hello, David. How are you? Oh, so good. So good. We're safe from Angeline and or Larry Elder. Yeah. And, and Caitlyn Jenner. You're in uh, in California. And Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. We're, I got that news walking out of a screening of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. It was a pretty, oh. pretty intense moment of California queer joy. So you were already on a high and then you got the great news. How I'm so excited yes. to see the, the movie. How is it? Love it. Love it. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. She is she's perfect. She's great. Prepare for a lot of arguments about whether she does her justice or not. Mm. I've already found myself in a lot of arguments about whether it's like a clownish performance, but it is a little bit, but it can't not be. It's Tammy Faye. It's Tammy Faye. I mean, the the trailer alone, it, it, like, it's got me. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah. And uh, I, the documentary I know is supposed to be excellent, and I've never seen that. And that the it documentary is. is made by our father figures, uh, yes. Randy and Fenton of World of Wonder. They also produced this movie. It's directed by Michael Showalter of The State and Wet Hot American Sun. I know the, the screenwriter, Abe Sylvia, we should have him on the podcast oh let's get him yeah he did uh just an excellent job um andrew garfield giving us a sexy jim baker which i was not fully prepared for vincent d'onofrio as jerry falwell mm. is terrifying um uh throughout it um Tammy Faye pronounces uh, Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye pronounces the word kids like kids oh i love kids <laughs> Oh, we got to think about the Kyods. Um, that's going to sweep the, the pronouncing uh, yeah, awards yeah. next year for sure. It's it's just, it's outstanding. I'm very into it. Go see the eyes of Tammy. Faye. That's a really good recommendation. I, I don't, I, you will, I, I guess I do have, a, we went to a lot of movies actually over like Labor Day weekend and the surrounding days. Yeah. And we saw um, Shang-Chi the new Marvel movie. It is, I think, my favorite uh -huh. Marvel movie of all time. It's so much yeah. fun. Genuinely funny. Uh, also saw a horror movie. I know this one won't be for you, but such a good horror movie called The Night House with Rebecca, Rebecca Hall. Hall. Yeah. Terrifying. Screamed, jumped, made a scene in the movie theater. Uh-huh. Great. So those are my wrecks for the week, I guess. Your hot picks. My hot picks for, for the, the kids. Great. Oh, you got to give the kids the pyaks. We have a guest this week who we've been trying to get for ages. Yeah. He comes from the world of YouTube, but he transcends the yeah. world of YouTube. He's so much more than that. You, uh, Michael introduced me to him a long time ago. A lot of people know him originally from his uh, hilarious food reaction videos. But yeah, as you said, he's so much more. He's an actor, host, producer, musician, internet phenom uh you've seen him guest hosting mm -hmm. on ellen and making several appearances on mm -hmm. ellen his name is kaylin allen mm -hmm. and he's here kaylin allen yes no you said you've been traveling where have you been oh wow so let's see i've been in connecticut philadelphia san antonio dallas uh oh and then i was in dc and that all happened in the span of a week and a half oh my god oh my god <laughs> what, what are you doing in all these cities i i'm working i i'm filming something very very special that has been that requires me to do a lot of jumping all around the country. So I am excited for everybody to see it. I can't tell you exactly what it is yet, Ooh, but soon I it. promise that it will be announced. Okay. Well, this is how we build buzz, Kaylin. You know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all got a, got our own shares of NDAs in this industry. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. How has travel been? Travels actually hasn't been that bad, but you know, I fly first class everywhere, so I'm always on the plane and okay, okay. and just, you know, chilling up in the front and stuff like that. So I don't have to be around a lot of people all the time, you know, and I always fly Delta, so I just go to the Delta Sky Club and sit up there until it's time for my flight. Okay. You know how to do it. That's the only way to do it right now. Yeah, it's not too crowded. What is your uh, pre-takeoff uh, drink of choice? Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't like the taste of alcohol that much, so I'm very picky when it comes to alcohol. Mm-hmm. I can only drink certain drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm just taking off, I usually just give me a ginger ale and call it a day. Okay. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Yeah. Pre-takeoff ginger ale. Yeah, nice little ginger ale. Settle that tum-tum before you take to the air. You know it, baby. Mm-hmm. 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 What have you been uh, watching on these flights? Child, usually if I'm on a flight, I'm asleep. But I will say uh, a couple of weeks ago, I flew to um, when I was flying from New York to uh, St. Lucia. I watched uh, Ted Lasso. All right. I'm obsessed with Ted Lasso. So oh, nice. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. I'm absolutely right there with you. It is reaffirming my faith in humanity. Yes. I'm deep, deep in. I've watched... Uh, I'm also watching Nine Perfect Strangers right okay. now on Hulu. I'm I'm also watching that new I forgot the name of it, but that murder mystery uh show with uh Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Selena Gomez. Yes, 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 yes. Loving that. Oh, I've been binge watching Sex in the City because I had never watched it before. Oh. Oh my God. Where, where where are you in the show? Tell me everything. So I'm at, I'm in season four and uh Carrie just uh confessed to Aiden about her affair. Mm. Uh, oh my yeah, god! So yeah, I'm at Charlotte's wedding. So yeah, just did that. Um, and then I've also been binge watching Game of Thrones because I never watched that. Oh my god! So you're just doing it all. Yeah, it took me a while to get into Game of Thrones. I had tried once before and it was just not giving it to me. But now I am uh watching it again. I think I'm on. I'm already past when uh Joffrey dies. So okay. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Let's get back to Sex in the City for a moment. Are you a big or are you an Aiden? Oh, biggest trash. Okay. Biggest trash. Now, let me tell you something. I have seen the movies, though. Okay, so I saw the movies first. In- including part two? Yes, I saw number two, too. Okay. So I saw the movies before I watched the series. So I didn't really have any context, you know? So when I watched the movie, I'm thinking that Big came in later on, like, this is a new relationship, right? Then when I found out that that was not the case, and this man been here since season one and has ran, carried through the mud, I said, girl, you need to let this man go, okay? Because Big is trash. I'm Team Aiden. I was, too, but, you know, I had done a rewatch recently. I've done a rewatch many times, honestly, and... And for me, the Aiden stuff hasn't aged quite as well. Not as cute as I remember it being. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that with every show that we watch, you know? Big still does it for me, though. What? Uh-uh. I don't know. I guess I, guess I was like uh, attracted to a lot of toxic pigs in my time I guess, because I'm like, that's exactly what it's right given, honey. <laughs> but he's attractive. Chris Noth is an attractive guy. You can't get around that. Yes. Yeah, but his actions are terrible. Mm. True. He's terrible. He left her at the altar just because she didn't turn around and look at him. Are you kidding me? Yes. And he does pay a price. I mean, he does and he doesn't leave her at the altar. What do you mean he does? He was scared. You know, the, well, the, the, suddenly the wedding was all about the guest list and the dress and the 
the spectacle and it was exactly what he didn't want you know he needed one check-in i can't believe i'm defending big i don't know what's gotten into me yeah because you're talking about because that's not what he wanted but the problem with that is through the entire series carrie was doing what he wanted you're right you're right let her have this moment you're right let her have this wedding are you kidding me especially with the whole affair Carrie took his damn wife to the hospital after she failed. Oh my God, I forgot right. about that. Yeah. Through an affair. Right. Are you kidding me? And and I can't have this spectacle of a wedding. And because I don't turn around and look at you, you have a problem. Lies. What what do you? But let me ask you this: What do you know? Uh, there are some spoilers out there in the universe mm-hmm. about the the new show, the reboot. What, how many of those? Yes. What have you heard, or where are you with that? Well, I haven't heard much about it. I know I've seen like the pictures of them filming and stuff like that. Uh, now I do. I heard that Carrie and Big are divorced in this right. reboot, which I am happy for her good and i hope that she didn't got her life together you know i'm very interested to see what the nature of the reboot is because they are clearly you know a lot older than what they were at the you know when they did the original so i'm interested to see what that looks like in today's day and age you know yeah. in living in new york city mm-hmm. and i'm excited to see them at this age i'm like will it ever feel as fun without samantha Mm. i'm concerned that pat fields isn't doing the costumes Mm. oh well the fashions looked great from the pictures i saw yeah the fashions looked wonderful they looked stunning but i will say i don't know if i after watching it now i don't know if i would miss samantha i know some people were like yeah we're team samantha but watching it my problem with samantha as far as the original series is i just didn't necessarily think that she had much substance you know Mm -hmm. it it seemed to like like i understand you know you like to have a lot of sex but it was like but who is samantha as the human being who is her family like what is her story where is that you know but did you still feel that way on on on, when they went on the honeymoon and she fed uh uh, carrie yogurt in in bed when she was in her mexico yeah yeah i saw that but that to me that just looked like friendship which is basically what the show is you know built on it's just like their friendship i got that i kind of just wanted to know more about you know just a little dive a little bit more into samantha's character as a person Mm -hmm. and why she is the way that she is you know do you have any theories about what they will have done with samantha since she's not there yeah i think they're probably gonna say that she like moved away or something it's like working on a a a movie or doing pr in a different country or something Uh like that probably okay i believe that the the word is that they are it is it it is as close to real life as it can be, which is that it's like they grew apart, right. But what I am happy about is that they are bringing in new diverse characters, right. I like that yes. because I, I remember like watching the series and it's like, you know, just a whole bunch of white people. I'm like, this is not realistic to what New York City is, yeah. you know, as far as right. this casting and and as far as like the dynamics and the environments that they find themselves in on a daily basis, you know, so I, I'm excited to see something that's a little bit more realistic, especially being in New York, you know. New York is a melting pot of culture. That's what I love about it. It's like you got all these different cultures and nationalities, you know, that spread throughout the entire city. So I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to express an opinion that is not going to be popular. All right. All right. I miss the season one thing of people talking right to the camera. Wow. I like that. That is uh, yeah, that is a that is a hot take. You know, in the, like the first maybe 
season and a half, they would like at the toward uh-huh. the beginning of every episode, yeah. like five people would just say a quick one liner to the camera. I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, almost like the confessional thing. Yes, right. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Yeah. And I also heard that the series kind of changes after 9-11. And yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't gotten that far yet. So I haven't seen how it is affected by that. That I don't remember. I don't remember it, be, it being that affected by it. But I'd like, yeah, I'd be interested to go back and see that too. Well, I know in the title sequence, they show uh, like the World Trade Centers in like in the video title sequence. And I know that that was removed and stuff like that. So it may not be that big of a difference. I mean, I guess it wasn't like it was a main part of the, the show. So yeah. I'm interested to right. see what is different after that time period. So... Uh, shifting topics. Uh huh. We discovered recently that you and I share a birthday, January fourth. Yes, huh. yes. Mine is a couple years earlier than yours, but uh, I, you know, I have a lot of feelings and theories around why January fourth specifically is the actual worst date to have a birthday beyond Christmas Day, beyond New Year's Eve, beyond New Year's Day, mm-hmm. beyond any other people who have a sob story about sharing a birthday with them. What is your experience of that, Ben? So, me and birthdays, I've not had great birthday experiences at all. The best birthday I've had was when I was in Barcelona with strangers. That was the best birthday I had. I do think it kind of is rough when holidays come right after and before. You know, it's kind of like you go Thanksgiving, you go Christmas, you go New Year's, and it's like, oh, well, here's my birthday just coming up, you know, out of the blue and stuff like that. And I think everyone's broken, tired. Right, exactly. So nobody really wants to do anything. And then people don't want to get gifts and stuff like that. So it's kind of like you get lost in translation or whatever. But I know growing up, it was fun. It was fine. You know, we would do Christmas and then, uh, then the very next week would be the birthday. And I would, they would just separate the gifts, you know? So that was fine. Yeah. I just find that like the collective energy of the people, including my own, uh-huh. is at, a, at is at its very bottom at January because it all it usually tends to fall around the first or very close to the first day, like back at work, back at school mm-hmm. and not enough time has passed. It's like I have a friend whose birthday is Christmas Day, I have a friend who's didn't pre- and Ooh. whose friend whose uh, birthday is uh, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but in general, people people are still on an up swing Mm -hmm. energy wise people are still looking to celebrate and a few days after new year's day nobody including me wants to do anything it's like the last thing you want to think about yeah because it's like the last holiday because your next holiday isn't until february technically yeah which is valentine's day so it's like oh well we all pooped out at this point you know yeah we done moved on everybody's on a cleanse everybody is uh you know saving money everybody right. is you know yeah. just starting their new year's resolution see and, and what i found is that what you have to do is kind of like combine it so like you need to pick like a date between christmas and new year's where you do like some kind of joint date and it's like okay well let's do the the you know celebration here in this pocket yeah yeah now, yeah. January, I, I will grant you January 4th is an unfortunate date for a birthday, but let me, you have it better than one person. I have a friend whose birthday is September 11th and her name is Katrina. Oh, God. So she had a oh, rough, God. she had a really tough few years. So just yeah. count your blessings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's true. Dark. That's true. That's really dark. Yeah. yeah. That does kind of, uh, that really puts things into perspective. Yeah. Cause you can't really, well, I mean, I guess you could celebrate. It depends also where you live. I guess it depends know? on where you live. What are your, uh, Caitlin, what are your all-time 
uh, favorite shows? Like, what are your mm. classic binges? Love a Desperate Housewives. Okay. Love a Desperate Housewives. Uh, love a scandal. Love a How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. I love dramas. Yes. I'm not. I'm not much of a comedy person. Like I've never really watched The Office or Parks and Rec and stuff like that. Are all like the the big comedy shows that people love. Um, I love a good Disney Channel show like That's So Raven, Hannah Montana, Kim Ooh. Possible. Like love all those. I love anything Disney. Yeah, I love to especially nowadays. Oh, I love The Nanny. I think The Nanny is one of the most brilliant sitcoms ever to exist agree when i i'm like this comedy and this this is the thing i think that people don't you know we talk about all these shows back in the day that were great but the reason why they were so good is not necessarily because of the one star of the show is because the entire cast was perfection you know when you think about the nanny you think about fresh prince of bel-air you think about the cosby show you think about all these different shows it's this ensemble of cast members that were so equally yoked and strong in their craft and their talent that made the show what it was you know you think about friends you think about a different world you think about living single you think and when you think about these shows you remember each character the issue now is that we get a lot of shows and you only remember one or two characters because everybody isn't as strong in the in the content or the writing is only focusing on one character right. and isn't developing each character equally so then you only interested in one person right yeah and it's just like such a, a good reminder that like a really simple premise can carry you a long way it does not right. have to be complicated mm-hmm. in any way like the premise of the nanny is so simple, simple in a way that like I kind of feel like networks today would be afraid of. I think also sitcoms back in the day were written like farces. Yeah. You know, like they were very high stakes. And now it's kind of like everybody tries to make sitcoms a little bit more grounded, you know? Right. For instance, like that's a Raven specifically. Like there was always like a problem in this episode and the whole episode surrounds around this problem. And then you get to the resolution at the end. You know, it was it was written basically like an essay. You know, it's like, here's your intro. Here's your your climax. Here's your conclusion. Now, sometimes that's just missing out of it because it's supposed to be more relatable, more situational. And it's like I miss when TV was used as an escape. Like, I don't need to see my life or my reality all the time. Right. I don't need everything to be about the art, you know, or making it, you know, the cinematography or making it such about being a filmmaker's kind of, you know, medium, but more so like, where is the high stakes? Where are the hijinks? Where is the the comedy that nobody really cares about? You know, that you just, you just watch it because it feels good. That's what I love about Ted Lasso. Uh, like, I think Ted yeah. Lasso just feels so good. Every episode, yes. it just feels good. It's like they, the, the conflict comes from everybody trying to be better than they are. Right. You know, right. But even even with that, it's not even an intentional thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of just something that just naturally happens within everybody. And the thing is that the, the character arcs, whoever writes Ted Lasso, I mean, they have really delved into the arcs of these characters, each one of them, you know, and, and figuring out who they are, because nobody is absolutely the same that they were since season one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love it. I did not expect to absolutely love it as much as I do. Yeah. Are you in season yeah, two I yet? Love it. Yes, I'm in season two now. And you know what uh, show I'm really excited for? Mm-hmm. The morning show. Okay. 
Okay. Oh, let's get All into right. it. Let's now, start. Cause I don't know if you I don't know if you can see Kaylin. There's a Jennifer Aniston calendar yes. and clock on my wall. Honey. There's a, a mask right here. I mean, Miss Aniston and Miss Witherspoon. <laughs> Tell me everything. They eating it up. They eating it up. I yeah. can't wait to see the morning show. I think that show is brilliant. What I wish we get a season two is Little Fires Everywhere because oh yeah oh that was sickening and reese was robbed because she should have won an emmy for that performance okay she should have won an emmy yeah and carrie washington too yeah maybe she did i don't know uh no i don't i think carrie may have been nominated but i don't think reese was nominated at all but you know what we should talk about that because the issue is because people see reese as legally blonde right so i think sometimes reese gets trapped into this this box of people feeling like she only plays herself yeah right and, and so then they don't want to acknowledge the craft in that i think also because she kind of played more in the comedy space that also makes it hard because think of all these people that do comedy and they don't get any awards for it like how are you telling me that jim carrey played the grinch and y'all didn't give him an oscar nomination like just because it's not dramatic or something like that does not mean that they don't deserve an oscar nomination because he was brilliant in the Grinch, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, he, he transformed. And Reese is a real actor. I mean, like she won an Oscar for Walk the Line, you know? Yeah. Right. So I am only two, maybe three episodes into the morning show. And that first Reese Witherspoon mm. monologue with the protester at the, uh -huh. wherever it was, I have to say uh -huh. that was rough for me. That mm, was okay. that was a that was that, that felt like the big piece, and I was like, I don't I don't know about this. So I haven't I haven't stuck with it. Well, I think that you are distracted by the wig. That yes, is yes, my one game complaint is, that is, I it must be acknowledged. Yeah. It must be said. The wig is a little rough. Yeah, the wig is a little rough. Also, I think the accent is kind of hard because it's such a specific, like, Midwestern yeah. type of accent. Yeah. But I will say, as you continue to watch it, you really start to get into it. I think also Jennifer Aniston does an amazing job yeah. in that show. Also, Steve Carell. Steve Carell is wonderful in that show as well. Uh, yeah, it does take a little while to get into because I've, I've tried to get other people to watch it and sometimes they're a little rough to get into it. But I do think it has a lot to do with like the, the accent and the wig and something like that. But mm -hmm. I do enjoy the show. You know what it requires? It requires you to be a captive audience. I started watching it on an airplane because it was there ah. and I was just like, okay, fine. I'm just going to I'm going to get through this. Mm -hmm. um, my other airplane binges were uh, iCarly back in the day <laughs> when that would just I go Carly? back to back. Yeah, because wow. I mean, there's nothing else on like a JetBlue or Virgin or whatever. It's like, I don't uh -huh. want to watch sports. I don't want to watch Fox News. Uh -huh. I, uh -huh. I, I I haven't gotten into Disney, but iCarly is right there. It's very comforting. That is such an interesting thing. Have you watched the reboot? I've seen a couple episodes of the reboot. I love Lacey Mosley. Okay. Happy to see her. I love that they've made it to, like it's grown with the audience yes you know like i love that they're mm -hmm. cursing now and you know it's more edgy and talk about things that they wouldn't because i think that's where a lot of these family networks that's where they don't do the best it's because they try to just take the show and they reboot it and they try to make it you know fit into the youth crowd and it's yeah. like but you need to actually make it to the people that watched it you know because exactly. i think disney disney fumbled the bag with that lizzie mcguire reboot just gonna say they fumbled the bag but it seemed yeah yeah. Because that would have been perfection, especially after the movie. Like, yes, I want to see Lizzie McGuire grown up. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
homophiliacs, let's talk about your skin. You may know that I am a bit of a skincare psycho. You may also know that I suffered from adult acne for way too long. I was so embarrassed of my skin. I spent hundreds of dollars on every snake oil I could get my hands on in the marketplace. Nothing worked. Then suddenly I'm in my, you know, here I am in my, my mid to late 20s still suffering from adult acne. Only thing that worked for me was a little magical prescription called tretinoin. Uh, which is basically a prescription level retinol you can only get from a dermatologist, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you about Apostrophe, which is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. They can also help you with other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, even dark spots. In my experience, tretinoin helps with all of those things, which is why I'm obsessed with it. But Apostrophe uh, connects you with a board-certified dermatologist. They create a personalized treatment plan perfectly tailored to your unique skin. You just fill out an online quiz, you snap a few selfies, and then they create a customized treatment plan for you. And we have a special deal for our audience. Save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash homophilia when you use our code homophilia. This code is only available to our listeners, of course. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash homophilia and click begin visit and then use our code homophilia at sign up and you will get $15 off your first dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash homophilia and use that code homophilia to get your dermatology visit to save $15. And we thank apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. Oh, people, we are headed into my favorite season, autumn. Oh, I love it. Light jacket weather, hanging around a fire pit with some friends, wearing somebody else's hoodie because it's cold and you forgot to bring an extra layer. Ooh, I just love it. You know what really heightens the experience? Miller Lite. That's what, with great taste and only 96 calories, Miller Lite is brewed with beer lovers in mind. When you're craving good times and great memories, grab some friends, grab a beer with that taste that you can depend on. And that's Miller Lite. Everything changes, but you can still depend on the taste of Miller Lite. It is the original light beer. How long have they been in the light beer game? I'll tell you. Since 1975. And this is what makes it an easy choice. Oh, create some autumn memories. Maybe go to a tailgate party. Woo. Next time you're getting ready to enjoy some cold ones with your crew, go to MillerLite.com forward slash homophilia to find delivery options near you. Or go to any store. Miller Lite is everywhere because it's real good. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Yum. That's so Raven. Let's talk about that's so Raven for a moment. Ooh, I've never seen it. Okay. Never seen it. My understanding is that she has magic powers. Am I? Yes, yeah, she's a psychic. She's a psychic. She's a psychic. And every episode oh. she has some type of vision that gets her into some mess. Uh-oh. And then she has to try and get herself out of the mess because sometimes her visions are, they can they can lead her astray sometimes. They're not always exactly what they seem to be. You know, but I, listen here, when it comes to Miss Raven Simone, she is a comedic genius. When I watch oh, yeah. That So Raven nowadays, or when I watch any of her movies and shows like that, I'm like, this woman was ahead of her time. Absolutely. And she does not get the credit that she deserves. Miss Ma'am, she ran Disney Channel. Yes. Okay. That yes. was, she was the Beyonce of Disney 
channel. Okay, she don't like when you say that because she says she had a, a career longer than Beyonce, but that's not what it means. It just means that you were, mm. you know, the top talent there, you know. But no, that's a Raven is also timeless. Like I can turn it on today and still laugh at it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't age well. That show does, and I'll, I, it also pushed the limits. Yeah, and one of the funniest things she's ever done is the the meme of her on a live. Uh, she's on an Instagram live, but she's just laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, when she was talking to Keely. Yes, yes, yes. When she was talking to Keely it's from the Cheetah Girls. Yes. So good. So good. What was that whole situation? I missed that whole feud. Can you summarize the so, feud? So I think the issue is that there was just a lot of tension while they were filming Cheetah Girls. Specifically, with, I think with Keely, and, and they've talked about this many times. And, and so what happened was during the summer, there was a lot of talk about you know cheetah girls and i I think keely went live and and talked about a little bit or had a discussion with somebody or talked about what it was like filming that and raven then went on live with keely to kind of talk about it they kind of just kind of like beat around the bush or whatever like really didn't get into the nitty-gritty of what happened but tried to come to some healing and stuff and then when the call was over raven just sat there eating her peanut butter and jelly sandwich and was just laughing about the whole situation on the live so it was just a lot of drama and i know that keely you know expressed you know about raven not doing the third movie and you know leaving and not doing the cheetah girls and and raven talking about how she felt like she was being left out when she came to do the second movie and keely expressed well that was because we all stayed as a group and we went on tour and we spent all this time together and you left you know you went to you went to go do disney channel you know and and to do your solo career so saying that they had a different bond and stuff like that and i know that keely has some issues with adrian and it's just a there's a whole bunch of mess whole bunch of mess Mm -hmm. let's talk about your career because uh you know people know you you first really blew up because of youtube and Uh we always talk about like that the sort of pitfall of internet fame is that it can go away so quickly and, and like in a flash but you are it seems like really methodically building a career that is meant to last. So what what is your thinking around that? Like, how do you approach that? I think from the moment I started, I approached it from a, a state of being a CEO. I think I run what I do very much like a business, you know, and I think I'm always being innovative and trying to figure out how do I do something next? What is next for me? What is the next step? How do I grow? How do I become bigger? And, you know, it's not necessarily... So I think there's a a different distinction when you talk about like fame. I think what happens is a lot of people, they get an opportunity, but their focus is on the popularity. So like they want the followers, they want the likes, they want the engagement and stuff like that. My focus is on the content and the quality of the content and not necessarily the engagement, because I think that will come with how good it is, you know, and I think also I I let people miss me. I don't give them all of me all the time you know i kind of go away and then i come back in or i or i go away i find something new and i come back in you know it's very strategic on how i do it i think also what's great is that i built a career even though mainly it was from food videos i built a career based off of my personality and that's something that will never change. And the, the problem is, is that a lot of these people create platforms based off of their personality. But the difference is that their personality is a performance. You know, it's a character or something like that. So it's something that 
can only maintain for a little while and then you you start to lose what you know what the purpose is also i study theater and film so it's like me being in the industry i've been in the industry practically my entire life just in a different capacity you know so i understand the way that it works and the way that it moves and i just assimilate as as the time changes i think i also pay attention to how society changes what changes as far as what what kind of content they want to see you know and 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 the things that they want to be engaged in especially with the rise of like tiktok and stuff like that so i just pay attention to the market you know very much supply and demand and paying attention to what the consumer wants yeah and it requires you to ride two horses at the same time in a way because i I feel like for some people when they if they think of themselves as ceo of their own business that they're sort of get a little stuck in looking at it from the outside in and like you're saying the important thing is really what's on the inside which is the content which is the talent yes. which is you yes and it see it seems like a it would be a real challenge to kind of like use both parts of your brain like that yeah i think also i am just because i guess because i i haven't been doing it for too long i'm very much still rooted in the outside world and understanding the perception of that, that I don't get too stuck in the Hollywood of it all, that I'm able to be like, well, this is how the world is changing around me. What does the, what kind of content do they need now? Also, I knew that I did not want to be a digital creator. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be a TV host. I wanted to be a personality on television. You know, I knew that that was more sustainable, especially with the rise of TikTok, because there's a lot of people now that do food videos. And if you watch a lot of people, they sound exactly like me. But the difference is, is that they get the engagement on TikTok. But because there's so many now, it's oversaturated. So you won't be able to get the same opportunity that I got because Nobody like you don't need to replace me like nobody's looking for the next Kalen Allen at this point because it's 50 million of them. You know what I mean? So it's like there's no no purpose for that. And I think I also I recognize that to be like, okay, well, if everybody doing this, I don't I don't need to put that much time into doing this, too, because it's all going to sound the same at, at some point, you know. So I'm always trying to figure out how to be the most innovative. Yeah. And that is why, like, even knowing that you got, you know, the your big start on YouTube, I don't consider you a YouTube star. Mm. You are, you used you. it, but you are not of it. See, you get it. Because people don't, when people say, or when they put in a bio or whatever, and it says YouTuber, I'm always like, that's not technically true. Because the only reason why the videos were uploaded to YouTube was because I needed a library for them to exist in, you know, because there was nowhere where it's like, well, if people want to watch food videos, where can they go for it? You know, otherwise it just was just there. And that was the only reason why I used it. I am not the type of person that can just throw up a camera and press record and just sit there and talk. You know, it's like, it's just not what I do. I don't really like vlogging and stuff. I think now I'm trying to figure out a way to uh, revamp my YouTube and figure out how to use it to my best ability for what I want it to be and trying to be innovative in that thought process as well. But yeah, I don't necessarily see myself in that space. I think people kind of just needed to figure out where I fit and that's kind of what they just slapped onto it. Sure, yeah. But people who can do that, my experience of people who can like turn on the thing and just talk can't do this. Yes. Like converse, like conversation is like, yes, you can see it stress them out. Yes. Yes. Um, And I think also like, for instance, now I'm going to NYU for grad school because I'm getting my master's in journalism because I know that I want to talk show one day. 
And I know that because, you know, I've hosted Ellen. I knew that I was able to host the talk show and entertain people. I was like, okay, great. I can entertain people, but I want to be a hybrid between Ellen and Oprah. I want to be able to have those journalistic tools behind me as well so that I can take my interviews to the next level and really get deep into some stuff, you know, and not only not it all just be fun and games all the time, you know. And so that was why I decided to go back to school. And yeah, appearing on Ellen obviously was it has been a huge milestone for you. And and like Dave saying, a lot of people know you from that, not from from YouTube. They know you from your many appearances on there. So now that the show it, how do you feel about the show you know entering its final season you know it's very bittersweet and i i knew for a while honestly when because three years ago she announced on the show that she had signed the contract for three more years and i knew when she said that i said we're not going to go past season 19 i said there's i just don't understand why you would just do a contract for three years it, it, that just seemed like a really odd number to agree to and so i i was kind of like already preparing myself and then once i found out that it was true that it was going to end it was it was very bittersweet you know um uh, and it didn't it didn't really hit me until she actually made the announcement on tv you know because of course we knew before I guess I was talking to a friend and I was like, what's scary about it or what was scary about it was like when you have built so much of who you are in one place and then to find out that that's coming to an end and now you have to figure out how you exist outside of it and what that looks like. And you don't necessarily have that security blanket over you anymore. That is very scary, you know, and I think I've had I think I have really had the best honor of really perfecting who I am, especially as like a talk show host or as, you know, interviewing people, being a red carpet correspondent, just being talent on camera. I have learned probably the best that I could have gotten anywhere from working at that show with people that have been there since the very start and are masters at what they do. And they know how to put together a segment and being able to learn under her wing and to watch so many people. I think I couldn't have had a better experience and a, and a better or learning moment. And so I think now I feel as though when the show finally takes our final bow and I'm thrown out to the wolves, I think I have the tools and the expertise expertise to do what I meant to do in this career. I feel like it was kind of like my training, you know, wheels. It's kind of like yeah. I used the show as a university, as a school. I used it to soak up all this information to learn so much. And now it's time for me to spread my wings and fly and become who I want to be. Yeah. And you could not have learned at a better place. Right. And you you received and gave a masterclass in vamping, in effective <laughs> vamping at the Britney Spears uh, oh my God. tour announcement, <laughs> which I watched live. Oh God! And yeah. I, at, at the beginning, I was oh, like, you oh, it live? "Oh, yes, I did." Oh, and my. initially, it was like, "Oh, oh I, I feel this. This Kalen might be in for a rough time here." But you, like, it didn't. You, it didn't feel like um, things were going terribly wrong. Okay, I'm glad you actually brought this up because you know, so it's in the documentary. And I didn't know that it was going to be in the documentary. So once the documentary came out and then everybody started like sending me screenshots and texting me about, oh, you're in this. I was like, oh, didn't know that. So this this story about how all that happened. So, you know, she came on to Ellen. She announced that she was going to Vegas. And then they said they wanted to do the premiere, you know, like the announcement on 
Ellen Tube and Ellen's YouTube. And so, you know, with me being really the only in-house talent as far that that does like, you know, we have other talent, but those talents are also staff, like Jeannie is staff at the show. I don't like she's a receptionist. And so I don't like work like in the office. I'm just like purely talent. So they were like, well, let's send Kaylin. So I was like, okay. I was like, so what am I going to do? And what I was told was that I was just going to be like intro and outroing certain sections and that Mario Lopez was going to be the actual host. And I said, okay, great, cool. So we got there and we were all figuring out how it worked and stuff like that. And everything was going all right. And then we started at our first setup. And then that's when I found out that it was going to be a little bit more than what I was told. And actually, I was more so serving as the host. Now, at the time, I didn't really know a lot of Britney's music at the time. I knew like the the hits. I knew like the top songs you know and I really didn't even get into the music in the catalog until afterwards because I think I just became infatuated with her after that so a lot of it was me improving because I wasn't the most prepared for the job that I ended up having to do because I was told I was doing something else and so I just had to figure it out as we went but it was just very strange on how it all happened and what's funny because people ask me now it's like well what's the inside scoop and I'm like what you see on the documentary is literally all that I knew and what happened. She came up, she walked down, gave me a hug, and left. And now with finding out the the backstory and finding out about the conservative shit and ship and all that, it makes sense to me. It makes sense as to why that night played out the way that it did, you know, because it, it was very routine for her. She was being forced to do something that she didn't necessarily want to do. So she was just there. We going with the motions, you know, I'm probably the only person she talked to that entire night when she come up to me and was like, I like your hat, you know, and then walked off. And honestly, after, you know, learning about everything it's like, yeah, free Britney, because it's messed up the way that they have basically pimped her out to the world, you know, and I think what's also frustrating. And this is something that we see happen all the time. We see celebrities ridiculed and, and talked about and treated a certain way just because they have money. I understand there is a level to privilege to that. However, I think celebrities are also human. And it's like, now y'all made fun of Britney all these years and talked so bad about her. And now all of a sudden, now you team free Britney. Now all of a sudden you want to be on her side. You listen to Lucky. This girl was singing about it. The same thing with Mariah Carey. She was trapped in that house by Tommy Mottola. And you listen to those songs. This woman, and that's the real fucked up thing about it, is that Tommy Mottola is listening to these demo tracks, to these songs, to these lyrics, where she is singing about him being trapped, not feeling like she can get out. And nobody, that is psycho. That nobody sees that as a problem. That nobody's like, we need to fix this. And I read Mariah Carey's memoir and about even about her mother calling the police on her after doing glitter and how tragic that situation was. We saw the same thing happen to Whitney Houston. People treated Whitney Houston terribly when she tried to make her comeback. They were terrible to her. And then once she passed, now everybody wants to be, oh, we miss Whitney. What again? No. No. That is fake and that is phony. It's like when people need help, Give them the help and the support they need now, in the moment. Don't wait until it's too late. And don't talk about how we should have treated them better later on. Figure it out now because this is a life. And the fact of the matter is people also live in this space to be like, well, we pay their bills or we're the fans and stuff like that. But they provide the entertainment. 
you know, and they'd be like, well, they signed up for this, but you, but it still comes at a cost. You know, it's still, it, this is a transactional relationship. You know, you give some, you take some, but it, the quality of the take should be as good as the quality of the give. And how do you feel about the people who, who, you know, I, I feel like the big, the, in a way, the greatest example of what you're talking about, that kind of hypocrisy is Justin Timberlake, the way he treated her, the way he treated Janet, oh, yeah. obviously. Oh. I, but when someone like that then does come out with an apology they wrote on their notes app and they tweet it out or post it, what do you make of it? The issue with that is like you, and because I feel like this is about personal friendships and relationships, an apology is just some words. Saying sorry is just words. It's about the actions that you take afterwards. That's what happens. You know, like Justin Timberlake, I'm going to need you to call up the NFL. And, and talk to them about Janet and figure out how to hold a press conference or do something, establish some kind of program or something like that that brings some type of equality to this performing space. You know, like, what are the actions that you do afterwards? Not just being like, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm learning. I'm growing, blah, 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 blah. Because at the end of the day, a lot of those statements are written by publicists, you know, or are written by a team and stuff like that. What are the actions? What are you doing to actually change what has happened? That's what's important. Accountability. Yeah. Before we let you go, we have to ask about your dating life. What is the the landscape right now? Who's in the picture? What's going on? Nobody's in the picture. Nobody's in the picture. Honey, listen, I am open to the idea. However, I am Capricorn. You understand this. I just don't have the the need or the desire to just have somebody around just because I'm lonely or just because I want somebody around, you know, especially with what I do and how much I travel, how much I work. You know, that to me is a waste of time. If you're going to be in my world, if you're going to be in my space, I need it to be real. I need you to be here for a reason, not just because of the heck of it. So that's how I feel about that. If it happens, it happens. But we not in no rush. I got two babies, two fur babies. Oh, that's right. I would like to know everything about these fur babies. Yeah, yeah. Connor and Carter, they at daycare right now, child, because I needed a break. So I take them to daycare when I need to breathe. Uh, what kind? So Connor is a lab mix and Carter is a terrier mix, but they're pretty small. They're a uh, medium size and they are very spoiled. They are very protective of me and they are like two peas in a pie. They are inseparable. And I actually have Carter for two years and Connor, I just got her recently. So I've only had Connor for about seven months now. Yeah, you've got your hands full. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be hard for a, a, a man to fit into that picture. Yeah, it is. Now, I'm open to it, but, you know. He just going to have to, you know, come already got his stuff together because I ain't got time to be raising no man. Uh, yeah. So what what do you look for? Um, I'm not necessarily someone that gets hung up on looks and stuff like that. Of course, it's important because that's, you know, a human trait. But I care more about stability, mental stability as well, who they are as a person, the way that they make me feel and their overall energy. I think I'm more so about energies and how they fit into my life and do they fit into my life? You know, can they hold their own? You know, because I'm not dimming my life for anybody. I mean, when you watch all these biopics and it's about all these great stars, usually their demise was started because of a man. Okay. If you seen respect, Aretha was going through it because of a man. Whitney Houston was going through it because of a man. Okay. So I don't need no man be coming up in here stressing me out. Okay. Cause I'm a man already. So I stress myself out enough. <laughs> Are you approached a lot by people who uh, want to meet up, want to ask you out, but you can just sort of sense that they are on the make or they want something? Actually, no. I think people find me intimidating. At least that's what I've been told. 
They find it, I, I think probably because I'm so self-aware and so self-confident, I don't really waver from that. I think also it's like with me being more on the feminine side of the spectrum, they expect for the, you know, the feminine guy to be more submissive, to be very, you know, kind of like, ooh, take care of me, pay my bills, blah, 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 blah. That's not me. I don't do that. So if that's what you, if you're trying to get some type of patriarchy, you know, some kind of like power structure here, you're not going to get that from me. How should someone approach you? How would you like to be approached? Um, I do like to just be approached in a, like, tell me what you want from the jump. You know, mm -hmm. just be very assertive. Get straight to the point. I don't like all that talking around. I'm not a big fan of flirting because I think people just flirt to get you. And then once they get you, then they change. No, just be very upfront to what you want. You know what you're looking for. I appreciate that. I appreciate the bluntness, the straightforwardness. You know, Let, let's cut straight to the, the chase. You know, I love that. Okay. Listeners, you heard it here. When you, when you see Kaylin Allen, approach directly. Be upfront about yes. your wants and needs. Yes, exactly. That's today's lesson. Okay. Kaylin, you are a dream. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. This is wonderful. And enjoy the rest of your travels. I can't wait to find out what this thing is. Ooh, yes, I'm telling you. Okay, so what I can tell you is that I told you I didn't always want to be a digital creator. I wanted to be on TV, right? Well, I can tell you it is going to be on a network. It's going to be on television, and it is my own show. All I right. Wow. Okay. So exciting. Watch this space coming soon. All right, we'll be watching. Thank you. Awesome. Kaylin. Thank you, Kaylin. You're the greatest. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love you.